Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company in our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Welcome to Calm Mystery. Our selection this time, 192, by Perry F. Bruns, read by the author. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Audible Evidence, a podcast about the human side of crime. I'm your host, Gerald Bartleby, and I have a surprise for you for this installment. I've managed to get a live interview on location with a very special guest, William Rayfield Thorne known to the press as the Bucket List Killer. And I think you'll agree that this interview will provide a unique perspective on a unique criminal. Normally, I'd thank you for joining me, but uh, this time I'm thanking you for letting me visit you, because I'm currently interviewing you in a high-security interview room at the Peel Supermax Federal Penitentiary in the middle of Wyoming. So, in addition to thanking all of my subscribers, of course, I'd like to thank the administration for approving your invitation, and you for extending it in the first place. 
Thank you very much, Mr. Thorne. Please, call me Ray, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. I have to admit, I'm puzzled. You've turned down a lot of interview requests, and I can't imagine the staff are all that thrilled that you granted one at all. So, why me? You give yourself so little credit. I'm not exactly NPR here. That's the point. Most media go for numbers, Flash, uh, the big story. NPR isn't the worst of them by far, but uh, based on the other interviews they've done with convicted criminals, I didn't really think they'd be interested in me and who I am, how I feel. They just want another angle. Believe it or not, I used to listen to your show before my incarceration. Sometimes they still let me play it on the library computers as long as I play it on headphones with the volume down. I have to use wireless headphones. They don't trust me with wires. I imagine they're concerned about your ability to find creative uses for them. <laughs> You're right there. Well, I appreciate the vote of confidence. In any event, our time here is short, so if you don't mind, I'd like to get right to why we're here. Specifically you. I'd like to learn more about the person, William Rayfield... Ray... Thorne. I wonder if you'd tell me a bit about yourself. What was your childhood like? Really? Well, I mean, there's not much to tell. That's uh, kind of the point. I grew up on a farm in normal Illinois. Normal. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I can literally say I had a normal childhood. That's the old joke. I didn't mind the farm life, believe it or not, but it wasn't really exciting. And as I went through school, I guess I was kind of a charmer. Other kids liked me, but I didn't make any close friends. Just a lot of friendly acquaintances. I was kind of invisible, at least until I got to class. I did well enough in most classes, but I excelled at show and tell and public speaking. What kind of bearing did that have on your career choice? You worked in sales. Well, this might worry you a little bit, but I think a lot of salespeople, especially the really successful ones, are a lot like me. I remember being willing to say almost anything to get the sale. Even lie? I did say almost anything. I will tell you, that was the thing I liked the least about my, um, extracurricular activity. The more often I did it, the more I had to lie, and I had to be increasingly dishonest in order to avoid being caught. And everything had to line up. I think that's the mistake a lot of career criminals make. They get lazy and allow too much information to get away from them. And yet, few people were even aware that you were only one person who committed all these murders until you turned yourself in. Suppose you want to know why? I'm curious about so many things about you, but definitely that. Hmm. Same reason I think I did most things. I mean, I never got my bachelor's because I got bored with school. Got to my senior year, and I was already the top salesman at the local electronics stores, and then a month into my first semester, I actually got recruited by the International Harvester dealership. I mean, nobody gets recruited for sales. Well, hardly anyone. I loved the work. and was making really good money. Every second at school was pretty dull. No, really dull. It felt like I was just getting the degree because people expected it, 
or maybe my own sense of vanity or need for approval. I guess you could say those were the first two things I killed. <laughs> your need for approval. Did that play into your sales career? A little bit, I guess. But it felt so good just to do it. Most days I fell into the usual conversation patterns. Just talking with customers. Visiting with them, asking after their families, and before you knew it they'd bought something. And you didn't get bored? You'd think so, after all. Every sale is a conversation of a sort, and every conversation is just different combinations of the same few parts. It's like how people make jokes about people's names. Oh, your last name's Thorne. Is your wife's name Rose? It wasn't in your case, though. <laughs> no. Never married. Crazy thing, though. I actually dated two women named Rose. I got engaged to one of them. Really? You're, you're kidding, right? Nope. Remember? Honest to a fault. Anyhow, I love conversations. I guess some people love certain kinds of music. I guess one of my favorite forms of music is conversation. Nothing wrong with that, right? So, guess that's the one thing I never get tired of. You even got tired of killing. I did. Why did... A lot of people have asked this. Even the prosecutor never got a real answer, so if you don't want to answer, I completely ask for the sale, Gerald. I got started killing people because, well, I started getting bored with certain people, and I found myself fascinated with the idea of whether I could get away with it. And you did. I did. And I just realized that I wanted to do more, and of course I knew it was wrong. That's what makes me a murderer, not just a mental health case. Knowledge of right and wrong. You've always said you don't regret it. I don't. I feel like a... Hmm, I feel like an innovator in a way. It's just my particular area of expertise isn't one that generally does a lot of people much good. Some people cure illnesses or explore the sea. I find new ways to end lives and not get caught. And that's pretty shocking, considering some of your exploits. Which one freaked you out the most? Uh, I beg your pardon? Gerald, I'm a salesman. Understanding people's emotions runs deep in my blood. You're a little freaked out. No shame in it. I've killed 191 people. It'd be odd if you weren't a little nervous at the very least. And you do hide it well. Most people listening won't pick it up in your voice. I wouldn't ask what your favorite murder is. For you, that'd be morbid. So, which one really put the fear in you? C could we could we get some water, please? For both of us? Th thank you. So, in answer to your question, well, I guess I'd have to say the one that disturbed me the most was the supermarket shelf slaying. Really? I mean, that one was pretty easy. Just got a temp job as a late-night floor polisher at Kankakee Foods, uh, rigged up the shelves, and waited for the inevitable. True, but people go to stores all the time. Having something like that happen in such a normally relaxing environment. I think I get it. It's not a place you associate with danger. Right. Dang. 
drop my pen. Sorry. So, I guess I should ask the same question of you, if that's not morbid. Hmm? What was your, uh, favorite murder? Hard to say. There were so many. Well, one you found particularly memorable. I mean, part of the reason you started killing was the excitement, right? I... It's funny. I did enjoy the challenge of it, but uh, I wouldn't say it was a thrill. Not in the sense of being on a grand adventure. It was uh, more like the feeling of solving a puzzle. Um, can I get another pen, please? I think this one has run out. Thanks. Yes, this pen works better. <laughs> Thank you very much. Y you can let him go now. I, I don't think he was going to try anything with the pen. So, I may have misinterpreted what you said. No problem. I mean, you haven't really spent a lot of time around me. Right. <laughs> but to answer your question, I'd say the greatest challenge wasn't necessarily the one I found most enjoyable. But, uh, that remains to be seen. How so? Well, the one I found most enjoyable up to now was definitely, uh, the press called it the propane train. But it wasn't propane. It was CO2, wasn't it? It was. I dressed up as a mechanic in the Chicago Transit Authority train yard. Hooked up a CO2 tank in each of the cars of an L train and bypassed the main climate control lines. So that when they lowered the thermostat on a hot summer day, the tanks dumped CO2 into each car. Twenty-two people died that day, including the conductors. Yep. They said it would have been more, but several cars had windows open. And that was the most enjoyable? Mainly, I think, in retrospect. I mean, I definitely liked the tinkering, just finding my way around the HVAC system of a CTA rail car with no real experience, and not attracting attention. But after it all happened, I realized how many things could have gone wrong. So many things I got right without realizing it. It's weird to hear someone say things could have gone wrong when 22 people died because they went right. True. But we've already established that my point of view is a little different. A little. <sighs> wow, that uh, water is something else. Weird aftertaste. You get used to it. The water here is drawn from a mineral spring underground. Keeps it cold, but the treatment plant isn't the most effective. Guess not. Uh, then there's the Librax I slipped in there when you looked away. Uh, excuse me? Got diagnosed with IBS a few years back. They put me on Librax. Chlordiazepoxide with clodinium bromide. With the dose I gave you, I'd say there's uh, probably no point in having your stomach pumped. How, uh... How much do you... No, please, please, don't take him away. What's done is done. At least let me finish what I came to do, please. Th thank you. So, uh, how much? And how did you get it? I started saving it last month after I found out you were approved to come here, so there was a 30-day supply in that glass. Minus what my saliva dissolved, and uh, you drank most of it, so... Hmm. Let's say 27, 28 days, 
give or take. How long do I have? Hard to say. Probably not enough time to get you treated, I don't think. How? Oh, when I dropped my pen. But how did you save so much? They make me take it while the medics watch, but uh, it's pretty easy to move it between your cheek and gum when they check. They always check under your tongue, but they never check there. So that's why you weren't sure whether the most challenging killing was your favorite. Yep. And? Well, this one was definitely more challenging. Coming off Librax cold turkey is not something I'd recommend. I was sick for a couple of days, but I just laughed it off as bad food. <laughs> what? This was already going to be my most interesting interview. Uh, you didn't have to raise the bar this high. <laughs> uh, feeling a little thirsty. Can I get some more? Thank you. Ah, yes, definitely tastes different. Is the thirst? Normal. I did my research. Regulations here say they have to offer you information about any meds they give you. So, uh, how does it feel? Uh, a little scary. But at the same time, wow, my heart is racing, wondering what will happen next. It's relaxing. I know I don't have much time left, and there's no point worrying about other things. Just have to keep going. Stay focused. Funny. That's a little bit like how I feel when I kill. Once I commit to a course, I have to concentrate. Not so much that I go into tunnel vision, of course. Uh, sometimes plans have to change. A couple of times I had to hold back, change course, or simply drop a plan. I can definitely relate to that. Hmm. Um, sir, may I please have some more water? Thank you, sir. Interesting. What's that? You're courteous to the guards. Well, they're people, too. And I'm a lifer, notwithstanding this uh, murder in progress. This may put me on death row. So, while I still have to follow orders, they do tend to treat me with much more courtesy than I would have expected. I try to return the favor. I see. I guess that leads me to ask, did you... Did you ever kill someone just because you didn't like them? Hmm. Obviously, I didn't really know most of my victims at all, but... Yes. Not you, by the way. I should mention that while there's time. Clear the air. I really liked your show. Light? Oh, right. Definitely going out with a bang now. <laughs> but to answer your question properly... Hmm. To answer your question properly, there was at least one. I was watching a movie a few years back. Not a great movie. Hudson Hawk, I think. Have you seen it? Can't say I've heard of it. Not a great movie. You're probably better off. So I was watching this movie, and this couple was just talking through the whole thing. And... Wait, you killed the usher, didn't you? Yep. I asked him to remove them, or at least talk to them, and he just couldn't be bothered.
There were only maybe ten of us in the theater, and nobody else complained. Go on. So I hung around. Caught a second film. City Slickers, much better. More importantly, it was the last film of the night, and I took a couple of extra breaks in the middle so I could track the usher, and in the end, I figured out when he left. And, well, the rest was in the papers. Even back then, it wasn't especially challenging. That was one of your early ones, right? Oh, I know what I wanted to ask. How hard was it to keep working during this time? By that time, I'd saved up quite a lot of money from selling farm implements and trucks, and I was always pretty frugal. But I wasn't terribly shy about taking my victim's money. After all, it raised doubt as to the motive. Were the thefts exciting? They were a means to an end. Speaking of, how are you feeling? Starting to get a little impatient? Honestly, yes. I guess it's the anticipation. I so rarely got to talk to my victims when, uh, when I did the men. Either it went very quickly or I wasn't even there. Sometimes both. But I didn't expect to be this excited. <laughs> oh, oh, you're a clever one, Gerald. You switched the glasses. Very clever. I've always had a strong sense of self-preservation, Ray. It was when you asked for the other pen. They pulled me away from the table, of course. It was. When I dropped my pen, I happened to look behind me and saw you in the one-way mirror. Well, you got me. <laughs> my heart is racing like it's going to leap out of my chest. And... <laughs> It's self-defense. I even gave you a recorded confession. So, how does it feel to be a killer? Hmm. Feels weird. I mean, I barely did anything. Just moved a pair of cups. And yet I feel different. I mean, I definitely don't plan to do anything like it ever again, and I don't know if I feel like a different person. Not yet. Did you feel like a different person when you killed your first victim? Immediately. Yes, right away. It was a mix of emotions, uh, deep guilt. I mean, we're always taught that we should never do anything malicious to another human being, and, uh, well, killing a person is just as malicious as it gets. And I felt exhilarated at the same time, like I'd just won a sweepstakes or a game show. And paranoid. Had to get out of there. Didn't know how much time I had before someone came by. In a way, I think that was what led to the next one. I had to make sure I could do it in a setting where I wouldn't be noticed for a while. That moment was when I knew I was a different person than I always thought. And how did that compare to this one? <laughs> Well, the plan was to kill you right in front of the guards, and when I thought I'd pulled it off, yes, yes, that was the most enjoyable feeling. 191 times I killed people without anyone being the wiser. In fact, for a couple of cases early on, I had to almost prove my own guilt. 
They couldn't believe that one person would commit that many murders and then just up and confess. But not just because it didn't go at all the way I planned. I want to thank you, Gerald. For what? You really did make this an interesting conversation. You just listened to 192 here on Calm Mystery. Calm Mystery is a murder mystery company production. Part of American Immersion Theater, Scott Crampton, executive producer. Our editor is Audra Schildhouse. If you enjoy Calm Mystery, please take the time to rate us and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your fine podcasts. It helps spread the word, and the comments let us know what you like and how we can improve. While you're at it, tell a friend who enjoys a good story, or tell an enemy if you need a distraction, and subscribe if you haven't already. That way, you won't miss an episode. They'll download to your device when you least expect it. Join us next time for another spine-tingling tale of mystery, mayhem, and perhaps just a little bit of murder. If you enjoy Calm Mystery, please take the time to rate us and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your fine podcasts. It helps spread the word, and the comments let us know what you like and how we can improve. While you're at it, tell a friend who enjoys a good story, or even an enemy if you need a distraction. And subscribe if you haven't already. That way you won't miss an episode. They'll download to your device when you least expect it. And in the meantime, stay calm. Mystery is everywhere. Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own murder mystery party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.